Bondage is a horrible thing. It's a horrible, horrible thing. But freedom is a wonderful thing. And yet there is a greater freedom than that of political freedom, and that is spiritual freedom. And the Bible speaks so much of this freedom in the Bible, in the Word of God. We read in Isaiah 42 and in verse 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Maybe you read that or you hear that today and that might describe you. Maybe you're here by divine appointment. Maybe you're on a spiritual quest or a spiritual pilgrimage. But let me just say to you, the greatest freedom possible is that of spiritual freedom. Freedom in Christ. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, at this time, and turn to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. John chapter 8, speaking of the Statue of Liberty, it was a gift from, from France, and uh, on the overhead here... You'll find a, uh, an inscription that is found at the base of the Statue of Liberty. And uh, it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Actually written by a, a Jewish lady, Emma Lazarus. And uh, it really gives us a, a great truth about liberty and, and about freedom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Actually, the subject of freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And here in John chapter 8, and in verse number 30, it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We are never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I was talking to somebody recently who was taking a trip to Washington, D.C. I love going to D.C. There's so much to see there. But there's actually a statue on top of the Capitol building that is nearly 20 feet high called Freedom Lady. And her face is crested by stars, and, and uh, she has a shield of, of stars and stripes uh, in her hand. And, and it was a gift, actually, from, uh, from Rome, and it was made in Rome, and it was sent over on a ship. And at sea, on its way here, it encountered a, a real tempest, a real storm there, a fierce storm. And they begin to throw the wares of the ship overboard to try and lighten the vessel. And they were throwing everything they could overboard. And a sailor asked the captain, should we throw away the, the sculpture? And he said this, he said, no. Don't throw away freedom. Don't throw away freedom. Freedom was paid at a great price. It was summed up so many years ago in 1775 by Patrick Henry at the Virginia Convention where he said, Is life so dear or peace so sweet 
as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery, forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. You know, it's that time of the year we talk about freedom, and, and I love freedom. I love liberty. I hope we don't take these things for granted. In fact, the fall before last, I was able to make a trip out to Philadelphia. It had been some time, but uh, we went to Independence Hall. We saw the Liberty Bell, and I thought, I thought of the freedom that this country enjoys. And then I contrasted that to a trip I took just back in March, and, and we went overseas, and we uh, visited a concentration camp in the corner of Poland, Auschwitz. Many have heard of it. Of course, in these, these Jewish concentration camps, Hitler and the Nazis would exterminate the Jewish people by the millions. And you find the tracks coming into to Auschwitz, and, and the people who, who went there thought they were just going temporarily away, and, and yet they never came out alive for the most part. It was a place of bondage, a place of barbed wire, a place of, of guard towers and, and deplorable conditions. It says at the entrance as you're going in, work shall make you free. Work shall make you free. And it's one of the worst lies the devil has ever told. Those people came expecting to leave. They packed suitcases and, and never received them back. They, they brought shoes there and those were taken away. There are, there are room after room of, of things like their, their eyeglasses and, and their hair. I didn't even take pictures of that. But it was a horrible place with horrible conditions and, and really you wouldn't put animals in the places where they stayed and they would stack the Jewish people seven across in some of these uh, bunk places and it was, it was absolutely deplorable. Before they exterminated them, they starved them to death, however they, they killed them. Bondage is a horrible thing. It's a horrible, horrible thing. But freedom is a wonderful thing. And, and yet there is a greater freedom than that of political freedom, and that is spiritual freedom. And the Bible speaks so much of this freedom in the Bible, in the Word of God. We read in Isaiah 42 and in verse 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Maybe you read that or you hear that today, and that might describe you. Maybe you're here... Uh, by divine appointment, maybe you're on a spiritual quest or a spiritual pilgrimage, but let me just say to you, the greatest freedom possible is that of spiritual freedom, freedom in Christ. We find in Acts chapter 26, the Lord speaking about this in verse 18, he said he came to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified, he says, by faith that is in me. What a glorious truth to have freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we talk about it here today from this passage, we see three things quickly. We see, first of all, what we call the sign of salvation. In verse 30, it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Previously in the chapter, he had... uh, forgiven the woman taken in adultery, and then this discourse began. It's kind of this bantering back and forth and a controversy and an exchange of words, and some claims were made by the Lord Jesus Christ that really upset the Jewish people, that upset the Pharisees especially. And, and uh, there were, however, some who consented to follow Christ. We read about them in verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word... Then 
are ye my disciples indeed. A number of folks that day had made professions of faith, and oftentimes when there's a crowd and they all make the same decision at the same time, there are some that really don't understand or some that aren't ready. Maybe it's, it's this kind of emotional fervor or whatever, but some decisions were made that day, and, and perhaps some were not real. Some were not real. Because the Lord brings up, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. The Lord tells in another place the parable of the sower where the word of God is preached and it falls on the hearts of various people and the condition of the heart is represented by soil and we find that some get saved, others do not get saved. Some just don't get it sometimes. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it mentions those who come short. They come up short and for that reason, the Bible says to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Examine yourselves. And so Christ warns in verse number 31, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He's essentially saying there should be some proof of your faith that you have truly been born again. And so he says this immediately trying to sift the the wheat from the chaff and and kind of uh, narrow down those who had truly gotten saved. Because not everyone who prays a sinner's prayer gets saved. Not everyone who prays the sinner's prayer gets born again, as Christ called it. We find actually even some in the days of Christ who never continued on with him. In John 6, 66, it says, From that time, many of his, quote, disciples went back and walked no more with him. You know, you can, you can merely agree to write orthodoxy and, and theology without getting truly saved. You can have all that in your head, but not be in your heart. And somebody has so well said that the difference between heaven and hell is about 16 inches. When Christ gets from your head into your heart, that's when you're truly born again. And so in verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You see, we read over in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The real test, folks, is obedience. The real test follows with some fruit as a result of being saved. And, and evidence that the Holy Spirit has truly moved in. We find in 1 John 3 and in verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him or God, and he God in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. And so there needs to be some evidence afterwards. There needs to be some fruit. It's not an automatic thing. No magic in the prayer. And, and Jesus Christ cautions these folks, be sure you're saved. They've made quick professions of faith from a single sermon and And their faith and their salvation has never really been tested. Will there be that obedience that should follow? And and will there be that holy life? Because a tree is known by its fruit. And so he's cautioning them. And then we find in verse number 32, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? That's the $64,000 question, isn't it? What is the truth? What is the truth? Somebody says, well, it's whatever I believe it to be. It's it's just relative. It's whatever you think it is and whatever you think it is. It's just what I think the truth is. So in other words, what we evaluate as truth is is truth. 
It comes out of our heart, in other words. Well, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? There are a lot of lies being promoted out there that are not the truth. The devil has been busy, and everything is not all right. We find our Lord in Matthew chapter 7, 7 actually saying the, the road to hell is broad and wide, and many are on it. While the road to heaven is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it. Apparently, apparently not everything is okay. There's a lot of deception out there. We read in Ephesians 5, 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words. And the Bible warns us, folks, about deception. There's a lot of it. And there are, there are also deceivers that go along with the deception. We read in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles or the preachers of Christ. They come across as, as the preachers of Christ, but they are deceiving folks. They speak spiritually, but they don't speak the truth. We find in verse 32 that Christ says you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Where's the truth? Well, we find in John 17, Christ is praying to his heavenly Father in verse 17. Speaking of his disciples, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. This book, folks, is where the truth is found. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is truth. And there are a number of verses we don't have time to look at, but this is God's revealing of the truth. We would say it's a revelation of the truth, the truth. And it gives us the truth on so many issues. And folks, there are so many things being debated out there day after day and and night after night on radio and television, the talking heads are, are debating what the truth is. Folks, the Bible is the truth. But we find this also. The Lord Jesus Christ is the truth as well. In fact, the Bible and Christ are tied together. This is the written word. He's the living word. They're both called the word. And Jesus is the truth. And he, he says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice he, he says, I am the truth. And he says, no man cometh unto the Father or God except through him. You know, there are also those telling lies that say there are many different ways to God. And you can do it through this religion and that religion the other religion. But Jesus Christ emphatically says, No, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the truth. And I know that's not in vogue to say, and I know that's not politically correct as it were, but that's what the Son of God had to say. He is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. And it's not through baptism, and it's not through joining a church, and it's not through taking communion, and it's not through uh, upholding some religious tradition that some man has made up. In fact, we read in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, and not after Christ. There's a lot of religious tradition out there, folks, but it doesn't square with the Word of God. And so we find in verse 32... He says to these folks, he shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I want you to resolve into your heart of hearts that you won't settle for anything but the absolute truth. We see here this sign of salvation that's mentioned, but secondly, we see what we call the servant of sin. The servant of sin. In verse 33, they answered Christ, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou... 
he shall be made free. They said, we're Jews, and we've never been in bondage. And I read that, and I think to myself, they're, they're hallucinating, they're, they're delusional, and, and really their whole history has been one of bondage, not just what Hitler did to them. You can go way back to Egypt and you find Pharaoh has them in bondage. And then you find them coming into the promised land and during the judges, they're just being harassed by one country after another, one nation after another, putting them in bondage. And, and finally, as they split, the northern kingdom uh, falls to the, the Gentiles, the Assyrians, the heathen, and they're in bondage. And 150 years later, the southern kingdom uh, goes into bondage to Babylon. And it, it goes through the Medo-Persians and they have them in bondage. And then the Greeks have them in bondage. And then... They're under the heel of Rome after that. I, I mean, what, what are these folks saying? We've never been in bondage. They're delusional. But you know, it's really a picture of sinners in denial as well who, who say, bondage? I, I don't know what you're talking about here. As they're enslaved to all kinds of things, all kinds of sin. Enslaved to, to narcotics and, and alcohol and tobacco and, and sex and, and vice and, and pride and selfishness. And anger, and stubbornness, and a host of other things. We're in denial when we say we've never been in bondage. Of course, there's religious bondage. And these Pharisees here were in religious bondage. And they're talking about, in their mind at least, this political bondage. But that's not what Jesus Christ is talking about. Notice in verse number 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commit a sin is the servant of sin. Whosoever committeth sin, he's not talking about an isolated sin here, but, but basically a, a lifestyle of sin. He said, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. A servant of sin. You parents, have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach your children how to sin? Nobody ever sat them down and said, this is how you lie. This is how you snitch cookies. This is how you're selfish with your toys. This is how you sass back to mom and dad. Nobody had to teach them those things. That's that sin nature that's within them. And the baby grows up to be an adult and, and makes all kinds of uh, resolutions and, 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 and say, I'm going to break free of this. And yet they find themselves again entangled in sin and in bondage to sin. Christ speaks here about being servants of sin. You know, the world has a lot to offer, doesn't it? And makes a lot of promises. And said, boy, you need this sin or you need that sin. And, and it makes it so seductive and so alluring. If you'll just partake of this, this is what you need. You'll be happy. We read over in Second Peter 2.19, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Boy, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. You find people out there just a whole hog into sin. Well, this is where it's at, you know. This is freedom. This is liberty. And they're promising them that liberty, but they themselves are the servants of corruption. And they're overcome. They're in bondage. You know, the United States has roughly... 400 billionaires. Can you imagine in this nation, 400 billionaires? There's not another country even close to as rich as we are. We produce the most energy by far of any nation. As a nation, we, we have this grid, this, this amazing grid of roads. There's nothing like it in the whole world. Same with our railroad system. And, and we have gold reserves that top anything close in the 
world. And we, we put out more patents than any other country in the world by far. But you know, we also lead the world in crime when it comes to incarcerations. And we're near the top when it comes to murders. And we lead the world in bankruptcies. And we lead the world in consumer debt. We lead the world in divorce. We put this emphasis on a strong economy, but we have these weak morals. And we're not really putting the emphasis where it needs to be. Did you know that 85% of all intimacy watched on television is out of wedlock? What's wrong with us? Well, we're servants of sin. We find in verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So we see the sign of salvation. We see the servant of sin, but finally we see the supremacy of this son. In verse number 36, Jesus says this, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall be free indeed. I could stand here for a month of Sundays and give you countless testimonies of Christians who were in uh, uh, some type of bondage before they were born again, before they got saved and what Christ did in their life and how they were, they were set free from their passions and their vices and their lusts and their habits and their sin. And we find in verse 36, Christ says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. From, from the dominion of sin. Because really, the, the worst chains in the world are not the chains of masters and, and monarchs, but the chains of sin. The chains of sin. Have you had a time in your life when you were unshackled, if you will? You say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Not talking about that. Well, I took communion and, and uh, have taken it for years now. That won't save you. That won't get you to heaven. Well, I'm a member of a church. That's well and fine, but being a church member won't get you to heaven, including being a member of this church. You say, well, I I do good deeds. That's all well and fine. But the Bible is clear when it says that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. I thank God for that time in my life over 36 years ago when I realized I was a hell-bound, hell-deserving servant of sin, but Jesus Christ came and shed blood on Calvary's cross to pay for my sins. In repentance, which is simply a change of mind about our sin, I turned to Christ, placed all my faith in what he did on Calvary's cross to save me, and was born again that Thursday night in Crookston, Minnesota. I am so thankful for the freedom from sin since that time. Now, let me just say this. Jesus Christ, when he he walked this earth, he, he talked about sin not having to have dominion over you. He actually went back to his hometown of Lazarus in one example, in one case. We find over in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, he said this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are Bruce. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 61, written 700 years earlier. But it's a fulfillment. He was a fulfillment of what was said then. And he describes so explicitly what he came to do, and that is to set us free 
from the dominion of sin. He mentions there in that verse liberty. The word liberty is found 25 times in the Bible. Eight times over in the Old Testament, 17 times in the New Testament. It means a pardon. It means deliverance. It, it means forgiveness. Liberty. We read this in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you know that liberty today? Can you relate to that liberty, having been set free from the dominion of, of sin? Because I have good news for you. In Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We read in the Bible, as far as the east is from the west, your sins are removed from God. You are forgiven. You are pardoned at salvation. We read this tremendous truth, this passage in Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I'd rather be a servant of righteousness than a servant of sin. That's true freedom. That's true freedom. Now, in the sanctuary today, there are a number of you, and, and you stood a little while ago, and you've served our country, and you've fought for our country, and you've, you've preserved our freedom. And, and thanks to you, today we don't speak German, <laughs> and we don't speak Japanese. I'm thankful for Mr. Norberg, and I'm thankful for, for others here who have fought for our freedom. You know that over 400,000 American men gave their lives in World War II alone. Over 400,000, and some of them on the USS Enterprise. As a result, we're, we're free from foreign tyranny today. I thank God for that. I, I, I thank God that we're free from political bondage, as it were. Thank God for that. I love this country. But freedom is a costly thing. And yet the greatest freedom of all, this spiritual freedom I'm talking about, this freedom in Christ Jesus was the most costliest of all time. It took the Son of God going to that rugged cross on Calvary, and, and shedding blood to die for our sins so that we could be saved. He loved us that much that he was willing to do that. And we read in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There are many here, you know somebody who has laid down their life for their country. Jesus Christ showed his love for us by laying down his life for us. And now he offers freedom to us, spiritually speaking, uh, freedom from the fear of death, amongst other things, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death or hell. Bill down here talked about his, his salvation testimony through the witness of a friend and how he came to know Christ, and now his, his son knows the Lord and is a missionary in another continent. His, his kids are here, his grandkids are here, and a legacy really has started because of what Christ did for him and how wonderful that is. If you're here today and you have never been spiritually set free or saved or born again, as Christ called it, then I urge you today to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, to know that freedom that comes from knowing Christ. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. 
We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.